As of right now, I believe President Donald Trump is on track for a re-election victory and potentially a landslide, partly due to the riots. But there are some reasons to believe he might not win, notably the mail-in voting fiasco. Now, Trump is warning of fraud, but inaccuracy is extremely likely. Lawsuits are extremely likely. And I think the whole process may be delayed, backed up, and it's going to get a bit nuts. But if we go just on the current polls, although Donald Trump is not leading nationally, the national vote doesn't matter that much. What matters are battleground statistics. And according to a CNN poll recently, Donald Trump is within one point of Joe Biden in 15 battleground states. And their poll had a margin of error of 4%, meaning Donald Trump may be winning. But another poll recently came out showing Donald Trump leading among independent voters with 10%. And that's huge. Amid all of this, something interesting is happening. The Democrats seem to be in complete disarray. And the GOP has announced no new 2020 platform. Why? They're going to be enthusiastically supporting Trump's agenda. That's right. The GOP is being crushed the same as the Democrats. I've never been a big fan of the Republicans, but here I am looking at Donald Trump's second term agenda list and saying, it actually makes a ton of sense. I really like it. In fact, I think most rational Americans would look at Donald Trump's agenda list for his second term and say, it looks pretty good. Notably, draining the swamp, congressional term limits, among many other things. I actually kind of like it. So let's take a look at these stories. Why Why aren't the GOP putting out any new party platform? Well, many of these old crony Republicans were shoved out by Donald Trump, went running to the Democrats. Many of them are endorsing Joe Biden. You see, Donald Trump's reelection isn't just about him and his agenda. It's about finally crushing the establishment politics of the past several decades and bringing about something entirely different. Of course, many of these leftists and Democrats would claim it's fascism. It's not. But I do take issue with some of Trump's agenda, uh, some of his some of the items on his agenda list. But let's take a look at it. And I'm going to tell you this based on what he's put out. I'm actually fairly excited to see what Donald Trump can pull off if he does get reelected. So let's take a look at what's going on with the GOP and Trump. But first, let's break down Trump's second term agenda. Now that I've said it 50 million times before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, subscribe to this channel. About half the people who watch my videos aren't subscribed. That means you're less likely to see my videos when they go live every day at 4 p.m. So just below the video player is a little red button that says subscribe. Give it a tap or a click. And now you're more likely to get my videos. But also hit the like button, the notification bell. And if you really want to help me out, share this video to help spread the word if you think I'm doing a good enough job. Here's a story from Town Hall. Ahead of RNC kickoff, President Trump releases his second term agenda. I apologize that I've already said second term agenda about 500 times, but let's we'll go through the list. Now, I want to show you what Trump is going to be putting forward for his reelection campaign. They say ahead of the 2020 RNC convention, which will take place digitally and in Charlotte, North Carolina, President Trump has released his agenda for a second term in the White House. Take a look below, courtesy of the Trump campaign. First, President Trump says he's fighting for you and he, and he wants to uh, fight for jobs. He wants to create 10 million new jobs in 10 months. That's, of course, a good thing. I think anybody would agree. Can he pull it off? I think so. His first term, he did a pretty good job on the economy. I'm confident he'd be able to pull this off as well. He wants to create 1 million new small businesses. Well, that's going to require a cultural shift. But I believe it's also possible, especially considering COVID devastated many small businesses, shutting them, shutting them down permanently. I believe Trump can make this happen. 
He wants to cut taxes to boost take home pay and keep jobs in America. While typically I'm not a big fan of just generic tax cuts, I think they need a purpose. And I'm not a fan of generic tax increases either, like we're seeing from Biden. I would say right now, because of the devastation to our economy, it's a smart play to cut taxes. It just is. It just is. He wants to enact fair trade deals that protect American jobs. Protecting American jobs is a good thing. Made in America tax credits. I believe that's also a good thing. We want more jobs, more manufacturing in the U.S. Expanding opportunity zones. This is good as well. Opportunity zones that for those that aren't familiar are economically embattled areas. And by creating tax incentives, they encourage businesses to come in and develop in areas that will help restore the economy and generally increase the quality of life for people who live there. Now, of course, I think the left would say that's going to gentrify the neighborhoods for sure, but I, I'm, I, I agree. And he wants to continue deregulatory agenda for energy independence. Now, this, I believe, has a lot to do with fossil fuels and things of that nature. While I've not been the biggest fan, I just got to say, look, I'm, I, I am somebody who's been traditionally liberal. I'm looking at a lot of these things. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep going through the list. And I got to say, at, at a time like now with this crisis and with COVID and with our economy being so devastated, I don't see a way around what Trump is proposing. We can't just ignore it and carry on like we did. We used to live in luxury. It was easy to say, yeah, 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 we'll cut some of these things and focus on these things. It was easy when the economy was was excellent. But now we got to focus on getting people back to work and helping people live. Of course, uh, within his agenda, he wants to eradicate COVID-19, develop a vaccine by the end of 2020, return to normal by 2021, make all critical medicines and supplies for healthcare workers in the U.S., and refill stockpiles and prepare for future pandemics. All really good things. He wants to end our reliance on China, bring back 1 million manufacturing jobs from China, tax credits for companies that bring back jobs from China, allow 100% expensing deductions for essential industries like pharmaceuticals and robotics who bring back their manufacturing to the U.S., no federal contracts for companies who outsource to China, hold China fully accountable for allowing the virus to spread around the world. Healthcare. He wants to cut prescription drug prices, put patients and doctors back in charge of our healthcare system, lower healthcare insurance premiums and surprise billing, cover all pre-existing conditions, protect Social Security and Medicare, protect our veterans and provide world-class healthcare and services. Of course, I think all of these things would be supported by the average, the average person. Whether or not he can make them happen is a, is a, is a bigger issue. Now, when it comes to education, he wants to provide school choice for every child in America and teach American exceptionalism. I'm not super concerned about America, American exceptionalism, but school choice is huge. For those that don't know what this is, it means that if you live in a certain area, you have to pay taxes that go to those schools. Sometimes you'll see someone living in a district, but across the street is a much nicer district. So their kids can't go to that school, even though it may be closer. School choice means individuals perhaps get a voucher. This is the voucher program where you decide where to apply, where to send that voucher, and your kid can go to that school. I actually really like school choice. But here's the best part, draining the swamp. I'm sorry it took this long to get here, but we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the end of the GOP, the end of the Democrats, and here is how Trump will pull it off, or at least how he aims to. He wants to pass congressional term limits, you know? I am completely in favor of this. I've heard many arguments from people who say things like, if somebody wants to run and we want to elect them, that, then they should be allowed to do this. It's an argument against term limits. I thought about it. I disagree. 
Some have said you'll lose people like Rand Paul. He's awesome. Mm, Yeah, but it's okay because you'll also lose people like Nancy Pelosi. I believe we have we have way more do nothing politicians in Congress and, you know, even even in the executive office, just like Joe Biden and stuff. We have way more do nothings than we do passionate individuals who actually want to get in. And while it is possible that the party will just cycle their preferred crony politicians every two, you know, two terms or whatever, I think it'll do more to get people into Congress and into office who are actually interested in being there, who are focused on serious issues. I am tired of the crony Chuck Schumer's and Mitch McConnell's and Joe Biden's and Nancy Pelosi's. I don't like any of them. There's a handful of people I really do like. It's more Republicans than Democrats because it's, it's more to do with integrity than policy. But I've had enough. I think it's time to drain the swamp. And if Trump can get congressional term limits passed, I think it'd be fantastic. I'm not entirely convinced he can, however, because Congress has to vote on their own term limits, and they never do, because our 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 Congress is it's a swamp. It is a swamp. He also wants to end bureaucratic government bullying of U.S. citizens and small businesses, expose Washington's money trail and delicate po- and delegate powers back to people and states. I love it. Drain the globalist swamp by taking on international organizations that hurt American citizens. Now, look, many of these these proposals are relatively vague, but let me tell you something. Twitter right now, consider this a foreign citizen. I I noticed this on Reddit. It's just it's not just Twitter. It's Reddit. It's Facebook. I went to r slash politics and there was a post and it said Donald Trump is the worst. Donald Trump is awful. Orange man, bad. And I went in and noticed a bunch of people who are European and Australian. And I got really, really angry. I am tired of being talked at by people who do not live in this country about what my opinions should be about who the president should be. And I am really angry that these big tech platforms will ban American citizens from speaking their mind about their own country. So what happens? Voters are influenced. Our media is influenced by big tech platforms that allow foreign individuals to express their opinions, but not American citizens. Now, I don't know if if Trump can do anything about this. It's not necessarily in his agenda, but I want to see Section 230 reform. I want to see an end to the foreign influence in our elections. I do not care about the opinions of people in France, Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, or anywhere else. And that includes conservatives. I always thought it was particularly hilarious that we have so many Canadians interested in American politics. Now that I get, okay, Canada, you're right next to America. So you guys get a free pass. People in the UK, I can say, okay, a little bit. But why do we have British people and Australians and New Zealanders and French people and Spanish and Italians going on social media and and complaining about our president? Now I get it. We're a very powerful country, but I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the foreign interference in what should be American matters. I've never been a big fan of American foreign war. And that's another big issue that Donald Trump is hit. He's hitting the nail on the head with the hammer. So I'll tell you what I like this agenda list, but I want to be critical of some stuff here. He goes on to say, defend our police, fully fund and hire more police and law enforcement officers. I do like this, but I want to make sure that reform is on that list. I understand not every cop is in favor of it, not every conservative or Democrat, but most people in this country are. And what that means is, When we fully fund and hire more officers, we do it in a way to make sure they're safer, that they're they're more, they're they're less likely to get hurt 
that we can have more departments. Social workers can be added to the list who can specialize in certain, you know, certain 911 calls, certain 311 calls. We don't need to send out a cop for every single minor infraction. And that means more funding, more training, and it means more accountability too. But if it can make cops feel safer, if it can make them feel more secure, then good. Increase criminal penalties for assaults on law enforcement officers. This I don't care about. Don't hit cops. Don't attack cops. Okay. It, it, it's, I've, I've been wrongly arrested before twice. It is not fun. But you, you, you remain calm. You go through the motions. It's annoying. And then ultimately, you, get, you go through the paperwork and deal with it. It's not perfect. In fact, I hate it. But don't attack cops. Prosecute drive-by shootings as acts of domestic terrorism. This I don't like. I don't like it at all. If a crime's a crime, a crime's a crime. Drive-bys are already illegal. You don't need a, a special provision on top of it. Bring violent extremist groups like Antifa to justice. Here, here, yes, 100%. Endless cash bail and keep dangerous criminals locked up until trial. For the most part, yes, I agree. I don't, I, I don't like the idea of a blanket statement on cashless bail. I believe there are certain circumstances where we should err on the side of freedom. But dangerous criminals should be locked up. I know, innocent until proven guilty, and that's the big challenge. But I don't know. Danger? I typically err on the side of freedom over security, right? It is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. But we should also have a, a right to a speedy trial. So I believe along with any provision that removes cashless bail, we need to make sure that we have immediate hearings for this and, and trials as quickly as we can. End illegal, illegal immigration and protect American workers. Block illegal immigrants from becoming eligible for taxpayer-funded welfare, health care, and free college tuition. I agree. Mandatory deportation for non-citizen gang members, 100%. Dismantle human trafficking, absolutely. And sanctuary cities to restore our neighborhoods and protect our families, yes. Prohibit American companies from replacing U.S. citizens with lower-cost foreign workers, agreed. Require new immigrants to be able to support themselves financially, yes. Innovate for the future. Launch the Space Force. Establish permanent manned presence on the moon and send the first manned mission to Mars. 100%. Build the world's greatest infrastructure system. I don't know what that means. Whatever. Win the race to 5G and establish a national high-speed wireless internet network. Agreed. Continue to lead the world in access to the cleanest drinking water and cleanest air. Yes, please. Partner with other nations to clean up our planet's oceans. Yes, absolutely. Man, I've been talking about this stuff nonstop for years. Environmentalism, cleaning up the oceans, protecting our environment, clean air, clean drinking water, better technology, better infrastructure. Donald Trump's doing his best to get people like me to vote for him. American first foreign policy. Stop endless wars and bring our troops home. You better do it. That's what I want to I hear. Get allies to pay their fair share. Maintain and expand America's unrivaled military strength. Wipe out global terrorists who threaten to harm Americans. Build a great cybersecurity defense system and missile defense system. Now I'll tell you what. We need a good military. Fine. I'm kind of meh on this. I'm concerned about American imperialism that comes along with zealous exceptionalism. But I love this country. I want to see it defended. I want to see an end to the endless wars. I do want our allies to pay for, for the defense we provide. But more importantly, we shouldn't be the world's police in the first place. So I will tell you this. Donald Trump has tried to return our troops from the Middle East. Yes, please. He tried to remove our troops from Syria. Do it. Get it done. That's the only reason I'm willing to support him for this. But I will tell you what. I believe that any rational American would look at this and say, yeah, 
I, 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 you know, look, I'm, I'm sorry to, to a lot of people. Maybe it's boring to read through Trump's agenda, agenda item list. But I'm like 90% there on what Trump is proposing right now. I agree. I have my concerns for sure. But I will tell you that with the Democrats' insanity, with the ongoing riots, with the endorsement of much of this violence, with these far leftists getting on board with the violence, I got to say, I will take Trump any day over these other groups. Now, here's what's really fascinating. Politico has a, has a story called the, Geo, the Grand Old Meltdown. What happens when a party gives up on ideas? I've never cared for the Republican Party. Donald Trump is not the Republican Party. I don't know, I don't know what he is, but he's doing his thing. And, and I got to say, the agenda he, list he put out, I like it. I like it a lot. For the most part, I love it. So when I saw this story, I kind of laughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it comes. A convention's 2020 and the Republicans have nothing to offer. That's what they say. The Republican Party has no ideas. All they want to do is uh, uh, own the libs. I thought about it. And then I saw the story about the GOP with no party platform and I laughed. It's true. Trump is destroying the crony establishment. Let me give you a round of applause for that one. This is it. The GOP has no ideas because Trump stormed in like a bull to the crony establishment, kicking and stomping, smashing everything. And we saw establishment Republicans run with their tails between their legs to the Democratic Party. And that's why we are seeing now all of these endorsements from Republicans for Joe Biden. Laughable. I don't like any of them. I don't like any of the Republicans. I don't, I don't, I don't like the Republicans or the Democrats for the most part. So when I hear the GOP has no plan, I don't care. I don't care. This means nothing to me. And maybe I'm just that independent voter that's leaning towards Trump today. But this means nothing to me. Let me read this for you. The writer says, I decided to call Frank Luntz. Perhaps no person alive has spent more time polling Republican voters and counseling Republican politicians than Luntz, the 58-year-old focus group guru. His research on policy and messaging has informed a generation of GOP lawmakers. His ability to translate between DNC and the provinces, connecting the concerns of everyday people to their representatives in power, has been unsurpassed. If ever anyone had an answer, it would be Luntz. Quote, you know, I don't have a history of dodging questions, uh, but I don't know how to answer that. There is no consistent philosophy. You can't say it's about making America great again at a time of COVID and economic distress and social unrest. It's not credible. You know what? Frank's right. It's because Donald Trump hasn't yet taken over the GOP. He's pushed out many of his individuals. But you know what, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, get rid of them for all I care. I am tired of the establishment in general, and so are many Americans. It's time for something else. And that's the problem. The GOP doesn't have a philosophy because there's the Trump faction and then there's the cronies who are still inside sitting around pretending to be on board with Trump. I never liked any of the Republicans. I never liked the Democrats and I don't care about any of them. That's why I didn't vote in 2016. And now with all the riots, it's why I'm very likely going to be voting for Donald Trump. If the election happened today, yeah, I'd probably hit that that Trump button. Now, I'll tell you this. As of right now, after seeing Trump's agenda, I think I can safely say, for, for the time being, if, if, if the election happened right now, yes, I would support this agenda list. I want to see more of what people have to say against Trump. I want to see what the Democrats have to offer. But so far, what I've seen has been unimpressive, has been nightmarish, to say the least. I am not going to stand for these fringe far leftist big tech companies silencing American voices. I am not going to stand for the Democrats lying about the riots and supporting them. Absolutely not. And that's why Donald Trump must win. He absolutely, absolutely must stop the Democrats 100%. They've gone insane. So I think, I think I've been pushed and pushed to this point. 
And one of the reasons I've said uh, many times in the past that, you know, in all likelihood, I'd vote for Trump is simply because I didn't know what could change. That's still true. We're a few months away. For all I know, Trump could come out and say something really dumb. So I reserve my right to say no at any point. But with this list, this this, uh, agenda list, with where the Democrats are at as of right now, definitely going to be voting for Trump. Probably a bunch of Republicans, too. We'll see. And it's because I defer at this point. With the cast in the streets, there's nothing more I can say. That's all, it is what it is. But Frank Luntz go on to say that I don't know what they're after. You know, there's no real philosophy. Others said it's about owning the libs. But I'll tell you what, I think there's it's safe to say there are signs of a coming Trump victory. This is an article from Town Hall. It's an opinion by Wayne Allen Root, who says the signs are everywhere. Polls show an overwhelming majority of Americans don't want to defund police. They want law and order. They support police, even 80 percent of black voters. Polls show 83% of Americans support Trump's and housing and urban development Ben Carson's ending of Obama's program designed to fill the suburbs with high density, low income housing, bringing crime and drugs to the neighborhoods of suburban moms and dads. Does anyone with a brain or common sense think it's a good idea, a good sign for Biden or Democrats? Do you think these millions of suburban American homeowners who don't want to see their home home value destroyed or the neighborhood turned to war zones like Chicago, Detroit or Baltimore are going to vote enthusiastically for Biden? He says there are more signs. The race to escape the big city crime wave rioting and looting is accelerating at warp speed. Ask any suburban realtor. Even liberal New Yorkers are running for their lives. It's not just New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle. Does anyone with a brain or common sense think this is a good sign for Biden or Democrats? And then there are guns. America is selling out of guns and bullets, too. Does anyone with a brain think it's a good sign for Democrats? Finally, there's the DNC. After hearing from all the big guns, Michelle and Barack Obama, Bill and Hillary, Jill Biden, Harris and Thursday's Res- uh, uh, and Harris, Thursday's Rasmussen poll shows Trump moving from 47 to 51 percent approval. And don't forget, Joe Biden didn't get that big old bump. He says, remember when president when then President Jimmy Carter led Republican nominee Ronald Reagan by 10 points during the summer of 1980? Reagan won in a historic landslide. Remember when Democratic nominee Dukakis was up by 17 points over George H.W. Bush, but Bush won 426 to 111. Don't look now, but it's about to happen again. The signs are everywhere. Trump is about to win an electoral landslide. Maybe. I'm starting to think so. Political polls, national general election among independents. Trump is up 10 points. 10 point lead. Listen, I said a couple years ago, I would never vote for Donald Trump. I said in January, I will never have a gun in my home. And now I have several times changed and they changed fast. And that's why I'm saying I reserve my right to change my mind on Trump or anybody else because we've got a couple months. Things could absolutely change. I absolutely won't be voting for the Democrats. No way. Learned my lesson there. But they've managed to get me to say straight up, yeah, I'll be voting for Trump. Not that I'm happy about it, but I will tell you this. There's 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 things to be critical of. I don't like being backed into a corner. But I said before, Trump's not that bad, right? It's a you you, you may be familiar with Flecka's talks. He would say Trump's bad, but he's not that bad, right? Now, I agree with that 100%. Now I see this agenda list and I say there's some bad things on it, but it's pretty good. It, it is pretty good. I just, I'll tell you what, man. At this point, considering all the riots, considering as insane as Democrats have been, I look at that list and I say, "Okay, fine. If Trump can get in. And if we can get in enough pro-Trump candidates to end the, the, the to get our troops back from the Middle East, I will be very happy. Very, very happy.
If these other countries in Europe will pay their GDP share for our military to be over there, I'll be really happy. But I'm just also like we shouldn't be the world police and never been a big fan of that. And if Trump can get through congressional term limits, I will be very happy. And for that, I think Donald Trump deserves my vote. You know what? I'm going to give you one final big, you know, smack in the face on all of this. I watched Donald Trump's speech at the RNC today, and he was talking about Hillary Clinton. And he said, I'm not going to say a bad word because they're going to get mad at me. And I laughed and I was like, the dude's attitude has improved. I love it. It was great. It was positive. He's doing a good job. I'm start. I, you know, look, over the past year, I have absolutely warmed to Donald Trump. And I think it's because he's been improving. The Joe Scarborough thing he did, man, does that sour me on his behavior. But I will tell you this right now, the agenda list has dropped. I've seen what he's all about. And without me even asking, Donald Trump tried to get our troops back in the Middle East. Normally, I would I would I would not vote. I wouldn't. That's why I didn't do it in 2016, because I do not want to be involved in whatever stupid nonsense comes about when you elect someone. I've, I've been there, done that. But I think the Democrats are a major threat right now. And while I've said many times I am not someone to vote against someone, my vote today is for the most part a, a vote against the encroachment of the far left extremism. And I have no problem saying it. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. So here I am, formerly a liberal, voted for Barack Obama the first time, got mad about the wars, still support social policy, believe in a welfare program so long as they're administered properly. I'm pro-choice. I believe in a progressive tax system. I believe we absolutely need to tax the wealthy. I believe that what we need to do is create larger uh, tax brackets beyond 250, not raise taxes on people above 250 or 400, but create new brackets from like 400 to a million, from a million to five and five to 10. That's what I believe. And even though I've seen all these problems with, uh, uh, you know, how the Democrats have run things, my opinions on these things stay the same. But I will tell you this, considering how awfully Democrats have, have run everything, I'm going to sit back for at least four years and see how the Republicans can do if they do win. Because the people that I normally would have selected failed miserably. And I look at these Democrat run cities and they are just it's just awful. So I'll tell you what, Trump, have at it. Get them congressional term limits in. Drain the swamp of these cronies who run for 30 years and never get anything done. I am sick of it. And bring our troops back. And I'm going to be very, very happy. Fix our schools. Go for it. I've had enough of this. I've had enough. It's, it looks like Trump is the best bet, at least as far as I can tell. You don't have to agree with me. You don't. By all means, disagree. But let's have a conversation about it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. A viral video of a man refusing police orders. He walks to a van. The officers have their guns trained on him. They tell him to stop. He opens the van and reaches inside. And then the officers shoot him several times in the back. My understanding is the man is still alive, and many people are worried he may die. And this sparked mass rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. But what we're seeing in Kenosha is probably something worse than rioting, which is why I'm starting with this image right here. You can see the tweet I put out says, get out of the cities. The image shows a man in red with some kind of long gun. He's got a rifle of some sort. In this video, Andy No tweets, this is insane. BLM rioters armed with semi-auto rifles have shut down the street in Kenosha and ordered a sheriff's vehicle to stop. Video by Lives Matter show. Hashtag Black Lives Matter, he says. The man in red has his gun at, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's ready to fire, but he doesn't aim it. He doesn't point it up at the vehicle. 
Eventually, the sheriff's vehicle throws tear gas out from the, 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 the hole in the top of the vehicle, whatever you call it. Then you hear at about one minute and 40 seconds into the video, gunshots. The person filming then pans to the left and you see this man with his gun aimed at the, the sheriff's vehicle. He, he's got it raised. He, he lowers it. He raises it again. And someone's running up to him, running up to him and filming. I don't know for sure. I can't confirm, but it certainly does at least seem like this man fired three rounds at a sheriff's vehicle, even if he didn't. The escalation that we are seeing here is some of the worst we've seen yet. And I hate to say I told you so, but please, when I say get out of the cities, when I say get ready, when I say take this seriously, I mean it. At the very least, what this video shows is that several individuals, not just this one man, came out with rifles and told the police, stand down, leave. That's it. You've got armed vigilante groups now giving the police orders. I don't know what the next step of escalation will be. I have some, uh, some ideas. I can speculate. But there's also a video of an officer. There's several officers outside their vehicle surrounded by the rioters and thro- someone throws a brick, hits the officer in the back of the head, and he goes straight down. Some people are saying it's attempted murder. We don't know the condition of this officer. But I'm going to tell you right now, before we start reading this news, it wasn't just in Kenosha. The riots were everywhere. There was Charlotte. There was Denver. There was, of course, Portland. And I think because of what we saw now in Kenosha, I hope you are ready for George Floyd riots round two. Now, I know the riots never stopped. The riots have been going on nonstop for three months. But I'm talking about the peak, that first week of June, where across this entire country, in 30 to 40 cities or more, even small towns, we saw mass rioting. I'm, I'm, I still remember that video. I believe it was from Syracuse or, uh, where an older woman and, and, and her husband were having their store just attacked in the early, you know, in the early morning. And they started beating the woman. They started beating this, this older woman. So now I can only, I can only speculate that with what happened with the shooting of this man, Jacob Blake, I hope you are ready for the potential. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I would be, I'd be placing my bets. I'll be placing my bets on another mass nationwide riot, looting, destruction, whatever you want to call it. Let's read this story. and I'll tell you what's happened, what's happened, who this guy is. And the first, I also want to say, I'm not falling for this. I'm sorry. You know, with George Floyd, they told us all these things. They didn't release body camera footage. It was finally leaked. And then we learned their story was bunk. We learned their story was for the most part bunk. And now we've got more information coming out about George Floyd. I'm not going to make this about George Floyd. We're going to talk about Jacob Blake. You see this man who was shot by police. The activists on the left are saying that he got out of his vehicle to stop a fight between two women. The police then came and, you know, ordered him to stop. He refused. He kept he ignored them. Three cops had their guns trained on him. He went to his vehicle. His kids were in the vehicle. And then when one officer tried pulling him out of the car, the cop shoots him, I believe, seven times in the back. The left is saying it was unjustified. I'm not going to play any games. I'll tell you this. The guy had an open warrant. Jacob Blake had an open war- warrant for domestic, uh, uh, for some kind of violence or whatever. The police got a phone call for a, dis- for a domestic dispute. They show up. They see this guy. I'm not sure if they knew who he was. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But here's a guy with an open warrant. So some people on the right are saying they, 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 they recognized him. They said, this guy is, is wanted for domestic violence. We got a call for domestic violence. It's time to bring this guy in. He does have a warrant. He resisted. He refused. And he reached into his vehicle. 
I don't know. I don't I don't know what you'd expect to happen. But let's read the story from Newsweek. Rioting in Kenosha over Jacob Blake shooting state of, of emergency curfew declared. Now, I'm going to show you. I have, a, I have a breakdown of who Jacob Blake is from heavy as well. They say protests and riots have broken onto Wisconsin after police were recorded shooting a black man several times as he attempted to enter his vehicle. Large crowds gathered outside the Kenosha police station and protesters clashed with police officers at the scene of the officer involved shooting. Vehicles were also set on fire and there are reports of looting and people vandalizing the local courthouse as protesters voiced their anger at the latest incident of a black man being shot by police three months after the George Floyd incident. Now, there's also a bunch of videos going around of a car dealership was burnt to the ground. They just light, they just lit up like almost every vehicle. And the creepiest thing about it is that the 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 uh, local dealership sign they they put up a sign saying Black Lives Matter, and they still torched this vehicle because they don't care. You can bend the knee all day and night. You can bow. They will still burn your building to the ground. Stop begging. Now, I don't know if Donald Trump should invoke the Insurrection Act or send out the National Guard, but I will tell you this. If they do not call in the National Guard now, it will be on par with or worse than the George Floyd riots, assuming it actually goes that direction. And I think it will. I think it will, especially this next weekend. Kenosha police confirmed there was an officer involved shooting after they were called to reports of a domestic incident at 5.11 p.m. They say police said they provided immediate aid to the man who was shot since identified as 29-year-old Jacob Blake. Blake was taken by Flight for Life to Frodert Hospital, Milwaukee, in serious condition. A video widely shared on social media appeared to show the moment of the shooting. Yeah, and you can see it. The clip shows Blake walking away from at least three officers while they point their gun at him. As he attempts to enter his SUV, one officer grabs onto his tank top and tries to pull him back. Several shots are then heard while onlookers scream out. It's not clear if more than one officer fired their weapon. It's also not clear if this man had a gun. Ben, I, I, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to lean towards he probably didn't. But what do you think the cops going to do when you are wanted? You have a warrant. You refuse their orders and you reach in your vehicle. I've seen the videos of, of what happens to cops who don't protect themselves in these circumstances. What's the proper procedural solution for this? I don't know. I think we could do things differently. Personally, I feel like the cops could have retreated. But it's a question. I'm sorry. I don't think my opinion has very much weight in the matter. I think everyone's going to look at this and say, I know what should have been done. But if this guy did turn out to be a domestic abuser and he was escaping, what should the cops do? Let him escape after he just beat somebody? They don't know that. What if this guy was armed? No idea. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend to have the answers. All I can do is tell you that you better start getting ready for, for the escalation. Ben Crump, a lawyer currently representing the family of Floyd, was one of those who shared the footage of the shooting online. Crump also said that Blake's three sons were in the car. Eyewitnesses said that Blake was attempting to break up a fight between two uh, women before police intervened. I don't I don't believe it. I'm not playing these games. I don't believe it. We know how they lie. I am sick and tired of giving my goodwill and my good faith to these people who say nothing happened. He did nothing wrong. And then we find out later it wasn't true. There's that video I remember of Jack Posobiec and someone, some Antifa guy punches him and the cops are literally across the street. And when the cops walk up, all the Antifa people are smirking, lying, saying no one did anything. No one did anything. Nothing happened. Lying. So we don't know what happened. All we saw video is, uh, all we saw is a video of a guy wanted for domestic, walking away from a domestic. The cops got a call for a domestic. For all I know, this dude was beating these women. And the cops were like, stop. No idea. I don't care what the witnesses say. 
All I know is what's is, is here's the only facts that matter. He had an open warrant for domestic cops responded to a domestic. He re, he, re, he resisted arrest and went to his vehicle while the cops had their weapons trained on him. I don't think the, the cops would randomly just decide to draw their weapons on a random dude. I'm not playing these games. Release the body camera footage now. They show a bunch of videos. One cop got hit in the head with a brick. The incident resulted in widespread disorder across Kenosha, including reports of officers being hit with missiles and patrol vehicles being targeted. Police also said to uh, use, use tear gas. They did angry uh, to break up the angry crowd, uh, angry crowd as clips on social media show bricks and Molotov cocktails being thrown at officers. As the riots continued, Kenosha County declared a state of emergency curfew, which the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department said they will be they will be enforcing until 7 a.m. on Monday. The public needs to be on the streets for their safety, the sheriff said. In a statement, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers condemned the actions of police after Blake was shot in the back multiple times in broad daylight. That doesn't provide any context as to what really happened. But of course, these feckless politicians are scared because they can do nothing to stand up to the widespread rioting and looting. He says, while we do not have all the details yet, what we know for certain is that he is not the first black man or person to have been shot or injured or mercilessly killed at the hands of individuals in law enforcement. All right, I'm done playing these games. I want to show you who who Jacob Blake is. He's named as the man who was uh, shot in Wisconsin. They say, graphic video shows the shooting happened at very close range. Blake's Facebook cover photo is a picture of cops as a pig and the devil. I want to show you this because I don't blame Blake for this. And I hope I hope he he does. I hope he he survives. I don't know the circumstance of the shooting. I don't mean to impugn his honor when I say I don't know what happened. He's wanted for a domestic. I think that says something to his character. We'll see. Innocent until proven guilty, I suppose. Take a look at this photo, though. You can see there's there's two cops in a vehicle. One's that one's a demon and one's a pig. That's his that's one of that's his cover photo on Facebook. So here's what I see. The narrative from the media and from these activists endlessly is that cops are evil. So when this man is on the street and cops show up, he thinks in his mind, I don't got to listen to you. You're evil. The cops don't know or care about your political cause or what's evil. See a guy involved in a domestic dispute, resisting arrest, going to his vehicle, and they do the only thing that I guess they, they could do. I mean, you could argue they could have used their taser or whatever. I don't know what to tell you, man. You got a guy wanted for a domestic. You're responding to a domestic. You're not just going to assume the guy's not armed. That's just it's, it's Kenosha, man. These people don't seem to understand. I'm sick and tired of, of these of these progressive left who don't understand what it's like to grow up in these areas where there's rampant gun violence. There's gangbangers walking around armed all the time. They'll lift up their shirt, show you their gun. And you know what these cops got to deal with? They don't know who, who's going to have the gun and who's not. But these people on the left, these, these, these middle class, upper class, white progressives live in neighborhoods where they don't have this problem. And you hear it from AOC when she says, I, I imagine defunding the police is like like the suburbs. Yeah, just like the suburbs where you don't got to worry about people walking around with guns, just shooting people for no reason. In New York, just just a few days ago, a man was walking with his wife to go get some toothpaste and a guy pulled a gun out of his vehicle, fired, trying to kill some other dude and hit him in the spine. Are the police just supposed to make assumptions? I'm going to go ahead and assume nobody's armed ever. When you're called to a domestic dispute in an area with with, with known for gun violence, what do you think is going to happen? But they don't care about context. The left just care. They, they, they have no understanding of the world outside of them, outside of outside of their lives. So what I see here, this guy is told over and over again, cops are the devil. Cops are pigs. 
He sees these cops and he says, F you. And the cops not going to make any, not taking any chances. Now, I certainly think there's room for reforms. I think we can, we can, we're smart. We can figure out ways to analyze this and, and improve the, this, you know, make sure that officers are safer and make sure, you know, we minimize the amount of uh, death in general. I, I, I think killing is wrong. All of it, even the death penalty. I kid you not. I understand when it comes to self-defense, conflict, war, I understand, you know, sometimes you have no choice. But I'm just saying I, 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 I want personally to make sure that death is minimized across the board. What we're going to see now if these riots spark up like we did with George Floyd, 30 people died in those riots. They say, let's keep let's keep reading. Jacob Blake is a father, according to photos on, uh, and comments on social media and witnesses said his kids were in the car. We also have this police say they were dispatched to a domestic incident and then an officer involved shooting. Online court records show an open warrant in a domestic case. According to Wisconsin Circuit Court Access Online Records, Jacob S. Blake, same age, with an address in the exact in the same exact block where the shooting occurred, had a warrant issued for him on July 7th on pending accusations of misdemeanor criminal trespass to a dwelling with a domestic with, with domestic abuse as a modifier. Felony third degree sexual assault and domestic abuse as a modifier, and misdemeanor disorderly conduct with domestic abuse as a modifier. A support action was dismissed. And the only other case that comes up is for not having a driver's license. Maybe it's not him. We don't know for sure. But perhaps the cops didn't know for sure either. You know why? Because they knew when they came in, here's what you got to consider on this block. There's a man wanted for raping someone, trespassing, felony, third degree sexual assault with domestic abuse. He beat and raped somebody. That's the accusation. I'm not saying he did it. I don't know for sure. But what do you think is going to happen when you're a cop and you get a call that's a domestic dispute and they say, be advised, there is a man with an open warrant for rape and domestic abuse on this block. And then you see a domestic happening and there's a guy who fits the description of the guy with the warrant. Same name. Maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. Innocent until proven guilty, man. Those cops are going to be like, this is a bad guy. And now it may turn out that we are going to see nationwide riots because the cops were trying to stop a rapist, a domestic abuser, trespasser, criminal, felony, all these things. I'm not saying that he did it innocent until proven guilty. I'm saying the cops, perhaps, I don't know, got information about the potential for who this guy was. And they were thinking we have to stop this man. And now you're going to see the left potentially, potentially, if it turns out this warrant was on him, how messed up would it be if, the, if these leftists went around with guns shooting at cops over, over a man who, had, who, has, who has committed these crimes, who has committed felony third degree sexual assault with domestic abuses and with, 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 a, with a modifier, trespass, all these things. Was that what the cops were trying to stop? Because if it was, then those cops, they were the good guys. Should they have shot him in the back several times? It's a question I can't answer. I wish they didn't. Absolutely. I don't want anybody to die. Even, even nasty criminals. You subdue them. You stop them. But they did what they had to do, especially considering the circumstances. I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you, I, th- I think we are, we are in for a wild ride. They say a 2015 story in Racine I described how Racine police say K-9 Dozer had to help officers take a man into custody when the man refused to go quietly. Uh, after he pulled a gun at a local bar. 
The man was described as Jacob Blake, 24, of Racine, which makes him the same age as the man who was shot by police on August 23rd. The Racine Eye story says that he was charged with one felony count of resisting arrest, causing a soft tissue injury to an officer, and one misdemeanor count each of carrying a concealed weapon, carrying a firearm while intoxicated, endangering safety use of a danger, endangering safety use of a dangerous weapon and disorderly conduct. Those charges don't show up on the circuit court website, though. Could it be that the officers were advised that there's an open warrant for a man with a history of carrying a weapon illegally who had assaulted an officer in the past and is wanted for rape? And the cops said, we got to stop this guy, even if he wasn't involved, even if he was just trying to stop the fight. They show up and they see this guy matching the description and they say, it's a bad guy. He's going to hurt people. Doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. You see these sheriffs on the street. The first video, the first clip I showed you where the guy's got his gun trained on the sheriffs. They don't care at all. They are the authority now. They are coming out with guns. They don't care what the truth is. And the truth doesn't matter. Now, of course, the truth matters to us. We want to make sure that we're taking the appropriate action to protect people and maximize benefit, maximize care and good, right? Protect the lives of the innocent. They don't. They care about their personal feelings. And they don't know the truth. They go around hurting innocent people. And that's what's going to happen. And this is why I say the truth doesn't matter. Because whether or not this guy was a bad guy and the cops are trying to stop him, these people out with guns, they, they're operating the, under the assumption that the cops are the bad guys. And therefore, they will take their, their guns out and they will shoot at these police vehicles. They will throw bricks at the heads of officers. And they will ride across this country and they don't care what's true. They just feel. And of course, there's going to be a lot of smarter insurrectionist types who exploit the confusion and the ignorance of these people who are angry for personal gain. So I ask, how is it that you can have an incident where a potential rapist, you know, some, uh, you know, the cops are showing up trying to stop him. And the left has managed to turn this into we need socialism down with capitalism. It seems like a complete non sequitur. It makes no sense, does it? Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. People are being killed. Therefore, end capitalism. You're like, wait, what? What does that have to do with anything? What does ending capitalism have to do with police accountability? Nothing. I hope we do not see an expansion of this, but I think we will. Take a look at this. This is, this is the video. I, I can't really show it, but footage of an officer getting knocked out with a brick in Kenosha. We have Andy No saying, Portland, nope. Antifa black bloc militants attacked police and destroyed homes and businesses in a riot in Denver. Expect more of this around the country. Take lessons and inspiration from Portland <laughs> as, as they take lessons and inspiration from Portland. Portland, of course, saw major rioting. We also saw it in Charlotte. And I think it's... Um, I think it's going to get worse. You know, yesterday for my main segment, I talked about the street clashes. The Proud Boys showed up in Portland and they clashed with, uh, with the far left. And um, we saw the, 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 uh, the Virginia State, uh, State Democrat charged with a felony, leading to the police chief, you know, being accused of a conflict of interest. The may- vice mayor saying the police, police chief should resign. Now people are saying arrest the vice mayor. It's a political breakdown in Virginia. At the, at the city and state level. And now we're seeing the potential for another wave of mass riots. And we are about three weeks or so 
from what's supposed to be the siege on the White House. What happens if another month? What happens if these riots spark up? What happens if these people start shooting at cops so the cops shoot back? That's why I open with a video of the man who's got the who's got the gun. He's got he's got a rifle. There's several other people with rifles and they're pointing it at a sheriff's vehicle. What happens when this when he fires and it, 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 it sounded like he fired three shots? What happens when these cops just say, I ain't playing? And they say, you, you point your weapon at me, you go down. And then the video emerges. Far left extremist armed with a rifle gets shot several times, emboldening the far left. Oh, no, this is it. Trump's fascist police. They're here. That's when things light up, man. So here's, here, here's what I'm going to say one more time. If you did not take the George Floyd riot seriously, you best start preparing now. I don't, I don't know. Get out of the cities. I'm not kidding. I'm getting out of this city really, really soon. I'm, not, I'm, in the, I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but I'm going off into the middle of nowhere. I'm not kidding. You know, people think it's funny when I say have an emergency food supply, have backup water, have a first aid kit. People think it's funny when I say get out of the cities. They, they laugh. Oh, Tim's a, 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 you know, a doomsayer or whatever. <laughs> You're nuts. Look at what's happening in Denver, Charlotte, Chicago, Portland. Look at the DAs releasing these people. And if you think after what we just saw with this man getting shot in the back several times, nothing's going to happen. And I think you're blind. That's possible. Maybe, maybe nothing happens for sure. Considering what happened with George Floyd shot seven times in the back, this man, I think it'll be worse. And I think we are going to see another explosive wave going into this election. It's going to get bad, man. I hope you guys are prepared. Donald Trump released his, his agenda. And in it, he wants he wants justice. He want, he's calling for justice against all of these, you know, Antifa people. Maybe the violence will lead to a Donald Trump landslide victory, 49 states. And then he will immediately enact an agenda which restores balance in this country. And that's that's the one thing you can look you can look towards the positive. The, all of this may actually be driving everyone to Trump and it will result in more things than just look, the chaos is bad. But I believe if Trump gets reelected, and he invokes the Insurrection Act, sends out the National Guard, whatever, and stops all of this. He's also going to be working towards bringing jobs back and bolstering the economy. That may be the light at the end of the, tu- light at the, end of the tunnel. There may be an improvement from this, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Rioting erupted across this country yesterday. And in Kenosha, Wisconsin, it was the worst we have ever seen. A video shows a man, several people with rifles blocking the road and ordering a sheriff's vehicle, armored personnel carrier to retreat, to back up. The police then throw tear gas. This man with a rifle takes aim at the vehicle. We hear several shots ring out, but we don't see video of of this man actually shooting. So we don't know for sure, but it may be the case. Violence may be getting worse. I think this is the worst we've seen. I think it's a dramatic escalation. And I think it's possible that this incident in Kenosha where a man was shot in the back several times, could be George Floyd, uh, a second George Floyd incident, which sparks mass nationwide riots. But let's talk about what the far left is doing. Sean King said, I'm not going to call for peace in Kenosha. What does this mean? He's not going to call for peace. I, I would actually say he's calling for violence or at the very least to be as fair as possible. Sean King and other high profile leftists are advocating for violence following this incident in Wisconsin. I'm going to read you what he said, and I want to show you some more information. We've got a decline in support for Black Lives Matter, according to civics. We've got an increase in opposition, and we have a statement now 
from the district attorney in Portland as to why he's not charging these people and letting them go out and riot every day, citing their righteous anger. But here's what we need to say. Sean King, he says, I'm not calling for peace because of what happened to this guy, Jacob Blake. Well, Jacob Blake had an open warrant. Or, or let me be careful. A man named Jacob Blake had an open warrant, lived at the, on that street where the shooting, uh, shooting took place, an open warrant for third degree felony sexual assault. There's another story about a man of the same age and name who drew a gun on, on innocent patrons of a bar. And he was, I believe, charged with illegally concealing a firearm. Police may have been responding to this information. Now, if you want to argue the police were still wrong to shoot him in the back several times, that's fine. This guy, Jacob, Jake Blake, was resisting officers' demands as they followed him with their gut weapons trained on him. He opened his vehicle, tried to go inside, looked like he may have been grabbing something. And then the police fired several times into his back. He's still alive. But following this, Sean King says, nah, I'm not going to call for peace. We tried peace for years. Y'all don't understand that language. We are calling for a complete dismantling of American policing. It's not broken. It was built to work this way. And mayhem is the consequence. You earned it. Now, is he directly coming out and saying that he wants everyone to go and get violent? Not necessarily. And that's probably on purpose. I think what we're seeing here is a semantic game where he wants to make sure he can fan the, fl- fan the flames, make everything worse without actually saying, go get violent. In which case, people are going to see this and say, mayhem, you earned it. Dismantling the police, not peacefully. I think we understand exactly what that means. And we are seeing many other people join in. Steve Van Gundy, verified on Twitter, former NBA head coach for the Detroit Pistons and Orlando Magic and Miami Heat, current NBA analyst, says, as the back of Damian Lillard's jersey says, how many more? Below it is the number zero. The system does not need to be fixed. It needs to be torn down and we need to build a true justice system. Torn down. So he wants to tear it down by force, not peacefully. I think we know where this is headed. And I think we know when we get the New York Times saying this progressive DA is going to release all of these people, many of them are being arrested. You should be prepared for what happens next. That's no surprise that we're seeing opposition increase and support decrease for Black Lives Matter substantially as these riots continue. But I'm, con- I'm, I'm worried that we're, what we're going to see following Kenosha will be like George Floyd round two. Let's read this story for Breitbart. And then I want to talk to you. I, I might get to this about the cities and the massive explosion in violence, serious violence, random crimes, murders, and people like Sean King are saying, nah, no peace, no peace. Okay, no peace. In that case, I think you all better be prepared because they are telling you to your face, we don't want peace. We're going to tear it down. Videos posted on social media that appeared to capture the shooting in question shows two Kenosha police officers following a black man with their weapons drawn. This we know. There is no word yet as to whether there was a weapon in the car or if the officers involved feared there was a weapon. What followed is what we have seen in countless Democrat-run cities over the past months, rioting, arson, violence, what King accurately described as mayhem. Oh, and there was also looting because nothing proves how down you are with the struggle than upgrading your home entertainment system. It's not the first time that King has endorsed violence. In June, King called for statues that portray Jesus as white to be torn down. He said, quote, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy. Always have been, he tweeted, adding, tear them down. 
All murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They say it should be noted that depictions of Jesus as white are not a form of white supremacy. White supremacy. The Holy Mother Mary has appeared as part of many different cultures, African, Mexican, European. And so throughout the world, the Holy Family is depicted as Middle Eastern, black, Hispanic, white, you name it. This isn't about race. It's about the universality of the faith. After King called for violence against the church, a wave of attacks against the church began. The acts of vandalism, including the beheading of statues and arson. Sean King has called for this before. He has a very large platform. And while many people on the left drag him all the time for being a grifter or con artist or whatever, there are many who listen to him. And it's likely, just like when he said to tear down the statues and target the, you know, the, the stained glass windows, there was a wave of attacks on churches, specifically from Black Lives Matter activists, extremists, rioters, whatever you want to call it. I believe that he's telling people no peace and they're going to listen. Will Twitter take action? Of course they won't. Of course they won't. We are now seeing high profile individuals on YouTube, on, on, on regular social media, totally being radicalized and, in, and embracing fringe far left white supremacist insanity. I mean, t- t- think about the, the, the story of Sean King himself. Both his parents are white, yet he's claiming that he's black. Now, fine, by all means, he says, you know, when he got called out for it, he claimed that his mom cheated on his dad or something like that. But here we have people who are avowed racists. And I mean it that, that Robin D'Angelo and says she's straight up uncomfortable around black people and she is racist. And that's where they get their cues from. That's not a world I want to live in. But we can see Twitter allows it. Youth Alert says stay strong, destroy fascism. The PN Pacific Northwest Youth Liberation Front has been organizing on Twitter the extremist riots we've seen throughout Portland. Kenosha lit the courthouse on fire and they just they love it. They laugh about it. And Twitter doesn't do anything about it. It's allowed. I think we can see where this is going to go in Portland. A prosecutor must decide which protesters should go to jail. Portland's new district attorney has refused to prosecute hundreds of low level offenses tied to recent demonstrations against systemic racism and police brutality. Take a look at this. They say just weeks after Trump's administration agreed to pull back federal officers, from demonstrations in Portland, Oregon. You mean violent riots? I'm sick of the lies. I am sick of the lies. Every day from our media, we have videos of this. I watch them throw explosives, start fires, beat people. I watch it every single day. Going to residential neighborhoods, screaming in people's faces, and the New York Times demonstrations. Peaceful. The new prosecutor, Mike Schmidt, took office August 1st after defeating an experienced federal prosecutor by a three to one margin in his Multnomah in Multnomah County, which includes most of Portland. Even as critics say, the breadth of his victory gave him a mandate to reshape prosecutions in Portland, a city of frequent protests where there is no clear end in sight to demonstrations against police brutality. He has not been slow to shake things up. Ten days after taking office, Mr. Schmidt effectively dismissed charges against more than half of about 600 people arrested since the protests began at the end of May. His directive met with strong objections from the Portland police and Multnomah County Sheriff, but it was in keeping with his progressive campaign platform as one of a new generation of prosecutors across the country who are pledging to reduce penalties for low level nonviolent crimes. That's not what he said. He said, even if you assault an officer, he will consider the chaos of a protest environment. That's the game they play. 
The New York Times says over and over and over, protest, protest, protest. No matter how many fires they start, no matter how many people, no matter how many people are dead, no matter how many buildings burnt down, protest. And now that they've changed the language, he says the chaos of a protest environment. No, a protest is when people block a street waving signs and the cops come in and shoo them away. Some people get arrested. When people show up with weapons and clubs and destroy property and smash windows and start fires and kill people, it's insurrection. It's a riot. That's what they do. Now that they've changed the language across the board in all of these news outlets, that's what you'll see. Oh, but they're just protests. So we're going to be we're going to go easy on the protesters. Mr. Schmidt said his office would presumptively decline to prosecute demonstrators for minor offenses such as interfering with police, disorderly conduct and trespassing, cases that did not involve deliberate violence, property damage or theft, and charges for assault on an officer and resisting will now require closer scrutiny, with prosecutors taking into account in filing charges whether the police fired tear gas into crowds. That's right. He straight up said, you could literally assault a cop and he will cut you loose. You'll need more scrutiny. And what are we going to get? What, are we, what, what will we get from this? More of the same. Absolutely. The purpose, Mr. Schmidt said, is to balance people's righteous anger and grief and fury over a system that has not really been responsive enough for decades and centuries with the need to prevent property damage and violence. Well, I tell you what, you voted for this, Portland. Don't expect me to shed any tears for the people of Portland who voted for this. Now, as for the people who didn't vote for it, and voted against it. Now, for those people, yeah, I will absolutely stand up to defend them. Those who challenged this, voted against it and said, no, we can't have this and are now being forced to live under the boot of the extremists. Get out of these cities. In Wisconsin last night, armed individuals pointed guns at a sheriff's vehicle. The camera pans away. Three shots ring out. It pans back. Somebody runs up to a guy who's aiming a rifle at the vehicle. We can only assume it was him, but maybe not. I'm going to operate under the assumption the extremists are coming out armed, giving orders to the police and potentially shooting at them. It's only a matter of time they're going to residential neighborhoods. Will Donald Trump and the Republicans win? I don't know, but that is potentially the light at the end of the tunnel. Trump has vowed to hold these extremists accountable. The left won't do it. The Democrats won't do it. The media is lying about it. How do we stop it? These Republicans have kept saying things like, I'll vote. That's what I'll do. I'll vote. You'll vote. And meanwhile, every facet of our culture has been dominated by cultist extremists who believe a fringe, literal white supremacist ideology. I'm white supremacist. I am not exaggerating. They call themselves avowed racists. Republicans keep saying they'll vote. If Donald Trump wins because people are tired of the lies, it won't change the fact that the New York Times is lying every single day that the zealots, the cultists have been taking over every aspect possible. Not all, but enough. Every major corporation now supporting the fringe cult. New York Times lying, lying about what's really going on to protect the extremists. Here's a quote. At a time when legitimacy in our criminal criminal justice system is probably at an all time low, we can't be seen to be using that very system to silence the speech that is being critical of it, he said. How do you design a policy with all those competing goals, 
That's really the line we tried to walk. Speech, he says. Speech, speech, speech. That's right. When they throw an explosive at a cop, speech. When they when they burn down a building with somebody inside, speech. That's what they did in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis. He said the strategy allowed him to put greater resources towards more serious cases, like the 15 homicides that made July the city's deadliest month in decades. The coronavirus crisis has also left courts able uh, to handle fewer cases, and Mr. Schmidt faces pressure not to crowd the jail. There's been a pushback from law enforcement. Mr. Schmidt said Portland police leaders told him that they were that they were concerned directive would lead to more police injuries, though he said nothing prevented officers from making lawful arrests they deemed necessary. The Portland police chief, Chuck Lavelle, said the force will continue to do the job the community expects of us. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, man. What what we're likely going to see is businesses already destroyed completely. There was a story recently about a vintage toy shop. During the riots, people broke in and stole vintage toys that cannot be replaced. They can't. They don't make them anymore. It's a vintage toy shop. This guy's a collector. He, he hunts these things down and then he sells them at a premium. They were stolen. He'll never get them back. There's no company to call to get them back. Was that about justice? No. It's about a complete breakdown in civil order. That's what the left wants. That's what Sean King is saying. Complete dismantle, complete, you know, completely dismantle the system. Then this NBA guy, tear it down. They're talking about using force against you. Unfortunately, I think too many people are just going to say, I'll vote. I don't know what you do, but you, I think the first thing you do and the most powerful thing is speaking. Voting, definitely, by all means, please go vote. But speaking up every day, challenging this, do not, not engaging them, okay? You know, the people who go out and start fights, the media will use that against you. But speaking up is the most important thing you can do. Just say no. This is insane. No, absolutely not. And here's what happens. So, so I'll tell you what, man. People are not blind to this. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to leave this on a on a major negative. Okay, I'm going to leave this potentially a major positive. I, I like showing this civics poll. It's a national Black Lives Matter poll of registered voters. One hundred and fifty thousand two hundred fifty one responses. Take a look at this. When the George Floyd riots started lighting up, opposition to Black Lives Matter started increasing and support started dramatically decreasing. Today, we are seeing another drop off. Support is now below majority. Still, support for Black Lives Matter is the plurality. The largest group of people polled support Black Lives Matter, but 38 percent oppose and 12 percent neither support nor oppose with 2 percent unsure. Here's the good news. The more these riots go on, the more opposition we see. And that means regular people are paying attention. Not, not all of them, but enough. There are a lot of people who aren't paying attention. But as support drops, that means people are saying, whoa, wait a minute. What's this? I didn't want this. The violence has got to stop. It's not stopping. It's going to get worse. And these elected officials who are getting in and embracing this and allowing this and Twitter, they're allowing this. They may be signing their own warrant. I'll keep the rhetoric chilled. They may be signing their own. Uh, uh, we'll just call it warrant. All right. Warrant. I don't want to I won't use the full phrase because I want to make sure that rhetoric doesn't go too. It doesn't get too hot. But what I mean to say is figuratively, the more they come out, this 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 Sean King saying no peace. Please share that tweet. Please let everyone know what they're saying when they come to your neighborhood and they scream, wake up. 
Wake up, mother effer, wake up. No justice, no sleep. When they threatened to burn down residential buildings with people sleeping inside, they did that like a week ago. And then Sean King says, no peace. You earned this. Good. Okay, fine. Then you watching need to make sure everybody knows that's what they're saying. So speak up and say, no way. Now, I don't want them coming to my house. They claim I earned this. Nah, they're insane. This country is built upon reform. We have done better and better every step of the way. And things are getting better. They're getting better and better. You know what you got to do? I'll tell you this. Go watch the movie Nightcrawler. I just watched it the other night. Absolutely amazing. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Nightcrawler is about a, uh, it's about a nightcrawler. Night, nightcrawling is when journalists go out late at night and chase down crime and accidents and they try and film it to sell to news outlets. It's about a man who goes to a news outlet. He finds a way to make some money. And I just, you, you really got to see it. When the people in these newsrooms say, I don't care about what people need to know, if it bleeds, it leads. That's what they do. They love to show it. It's what media is creating. So then you get endless stories about police brutality, even though crime is going down. Now, hold on. Since the riot started, violent crime has been going up, but that may be due to defund the police. You see, for the longest time, violent crime was actually going down. And then... They started saying defund the police. And then in New York, they took away their anti-crime unit. Police have been completely demoralized and crime is going back up. I know these news outlets love it. They love it. If it bleeds, it leads. They love it. So when Sean King comes out and says, no peace, mayhem, you deserved it. His followers say, tear it down. And he retweets them. You know, the media companies are laughing. You know that when, when, when Donald Trump is, is, is doing well in the, in the battleground polls, the media is secretly laughing, saying, we're going to make so much money off the next four years of destroying everything around us. Here's what we need. Calm and reasonable debate, discussions and reform. That's what we need. I don't, I don't think we're going to get it because it's the left that doesn't want it. They don't. Don't get me wrong. The right is being benefited, too, because it's proving them right about the left and they can use it. But the left wants the violence. And we literally have on Twitter, they're organizing. You actually have Sean King saying straight up 100%. But I'll tell you what, if this continues, I believe we will see opposition continue to increase. And this could result in a major landslide for Donald Trump. I want to do one quick quick thing. First of all, among females, support for Black Lives Matter is 56% with 31% opposing. Donald Trump says that he's going to win the suburban housewife vote. Maybe. Let's take a look at white females. You see, with general females, support is very high. But when you do white females, it is comparable. It's, it's actually more opposition than the nationwide uh, average. And if you get rid of females and just look at white voters, 46% oppose. Now, here's what you need to consider. White voting block, it's the biggest, biggest voting block and 46% oppose. So Trump very well may win back the suburbs. The Republicans may sweep. I think so. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it'd be silly to speculate. But I'll just tell you this. When you see the ever increasing opposition to Black Lives Matter because of the violence, while it may be bad that we're seeing these riots and things seem to be getting worse, the light at the end of the tunnel may be those who go vote. They'll go vote. They'll vote in people who will, who will actually solve these problems. Donald Trump's new, new platform, he, he announced his agenda straight up. 
this may be the light at the, at the end of the tunnel. But I'll also say it may wake people up and, and activate them. No longer will people sit around and ignore the problems of their own communities. So we may see things getting bad, but ultimately it may work out better for all of us in the end. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel from this one. Go check it out. And I will see you all then. Richard Spencer, probably the most famous white nationalist in this country, maybe even the world, has officially endorsed Joe Biden, saying that the MAGA alt-right moment is over and that Democrats are clearly the more competent bunch. I think he's being completely honest. I think we're going to see a lot of people in the Democratic Party on the left say it's a fake endorsement. He's just trying to make Joe Biden look bad. But I, I don't believe that's true. I, I really don't. Richard Spencer has dragged Trump in the past, saying, you know, essentially Trump was a letdown. And now he's saying they need to regroup and come back in another form and that Democrats are more competent. It's very similar to what we hear from Democrats. And what you need to understand is, first and foremost, the Democrats in California are trying to repeal civil rights legislation that prevents discrimination based on race, among other characteristics. Characteristics. It's not at all out of character, in my opinion, for Richard Spencer to come out and make the statements he's making. Let me read you the story and we'll talk about something really interesting. Democrats have actually started to lose some Democratic Party affiliation. So this shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Newsweek reports Richard Spencer backs Joe Biden, says MAGA alt-right moment is over. White nationalist Richard Spencer has said he will be backing Democratic candidate Joe Biden in November's election after previously distancing himself from Donald Trump. And that was a while ago before we even knew Biden was going to be the nominee. Spencer was saying he was unhappy with Donald Trump. Spencer, who was one of the key figureheads of the alt-right movement, tweeted how he is on Team Joe on Monday, adding a self-made campaign slogan. Liberals are clearly more competent. In a series of tweets, Spencer further explained his reasoning for backing Biden. He said, the MAGA alt-right moment is over. I made mistakes. Trump is an obvious disaster. But mainly the paradigm contained flaws that we now know are that we now are able to perceive. And it needs to end, Spencer wrote. So be patient. We'll have another day in the sun. We need to recover and return in a new form. In another tweet, he added, I will never flip on my fundamental principles. My principles were never voting for the supposed the lesser of two evils or stopping big government. Walking into certain defeat, even death is not heroic. It's foolhardy. I have no sympathy for martyrs. I admire winners. I think Richard Spencer, what, what, what he's getting at is essentially under Trump, the media has relentlessly attacked and shined a light on him. And it's been a disaster. Now, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for, for what he believes, but I'll tell you this. When the Democrats are in charge, Spencer, nobody knew his name. I mean, a lot of people did. He was able to operate, build his movement and do his thing. But with Trump, as soon as Trump comes out, the media was desperate to find a boogeyman. This put the spotlight on Spencer and made him the boogeyman. You remember that famous video where he got punched in the face? It's not good for someone who's trying to build a movement when the media is relentlessly attacking you because of Trump. And of course, Trump not being a white nationalist, Spencer and other white nationalists weren't getting anything they wanted other than negative press attention. So yeah, it absolutely makes sense that at least in that capacity, he would back Joe Biden. But I think there are other issues too. If you look at what Richard Spencer has actually talked about in the past, he's not laissez-faire capitalist. I think his issues actually are more likely to line up with identitarians. I mean, look, like I said, I don't know if I said it now, but the, the, the Democrats are repealing civil rights law in California. I mean, 
you'd have to imagine white nationalists would be in favor of that, giving them the right to discriminate based on race at various levels of government or in public accommodation. That's probably look, it's all identitarian, right? Let's read a little bit more. Here's the image that Spencer tweeted. He says, I'm on team Joe, Richard Spencer. Liberals are clearly more competent. And I guess you can make these things at the at Joe's website. They say the Southern Poverty Law Center describes Spencer as a suit and tie version of the white supremacists of old. And guess what? Which political party was the suit and tie wearing white supremacists of old? It was the Democratic Party. <laughs> this is not surprising to me. They mentioned that uh, Spencer rose to prominence when he yelled, hail Trump, after being greeted with Nazi salutes at an event in Washington shortly after Trump was elected. However, Spencer said earlier this year that he regrets voting for Trump following the, the assassination of uh, Soleimani. Spencer feared that Trump's approved airstrike, which resulted in the death of Soleimani, brought the U.S. to the brink of war with Iran. He said, I deeply regret voting for and promoting Trump in 2016. To the people of Iran, there are millions of Americans who do not want war and do not hate you and respect your nation and its history. After our traitorous elite is brought to justice, we hope to achieve peace, reconciliation and forgiveness, he added. Spencer also led a protest against the Trump administration launching an airstrike on, on a Syrian airbase in 2017. This is not out of character. The left just tries to make you believe that anybody who's identitarian, white identitarian, clearly would support Trump. That's not true. Trump is the anti-identitarian candidate. He absolutely is. That's why I recently said I'll, I'm going to be voting for him. The Democrats are repealing civil rights law. It's been a long time coming, but they're doing this. We know what they want to do. And, and, and again, I mean, look, if you're a white nationalist and you want to be able to discriminate against people, then the Democrats are your party. Well, I got bad news for Democrats. More DNC woes. New poll shows major drop in Democratic Party affiliation. But I want to be fair. It was just after a bump in affiliation. It would seem that the Democrats are losing the gains they made because of the riots. Town Hall says a new poll released Monday from Gallup showed that four uh, that the four days of virtual speeches and minimal fanfare produced by the Democratic National Convention did little to sharp support for the jo- for the party of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. In fact, despite the glowing reviews from corporate media of the DNC and its speakers, the Gallup poll showed that Americans claiming to be Democrats or affiliated with the party dropped by two points since the same poll was conducted in June. Enthusiasm for the Republican Party, however, increased by three points shrinking the Democratic advantage by a stunning five points as the presidential election draws even closer. This is all this is all true. The new poll follows a trend in national polling that has shown a dramatic narrowing of the gap between the Democrats nominee Joe Biden and President Donald Trump. After months of numbers reflecting Biden as the clear leader, as the clear leader, Rasmussen reported on Monday that recent polling also showed the nation's approval of the president was on the rise, sharing that 51 percent of respondents approved of the job he was doing. The favorable shifting in polling for the president comes amid months of unrest that has included widespread calls for the uh, from the far left to defund and abolish police departments, abolish ICE and abolish prisons across the country. Any sane person would hear that and say, what? What? No, I don't want any of that. It's crazy, isn't it? We'll we'll come back to this, but I want to make sure I show you the actual poll because here's this important context. Take a look. In May, Republicans were at 44 percent affiliation. And Democrats were at 47. So the, the, the gap was only a few points. Then there was a major drop off into June. And it's probably having to do with Black Lives Matter. Republicans dropped to 39 percent and Democrats to 50 percent. Boy, if they just stopped the riots, they could have taken this one home. But it, but then immediately following the month, that month of riots, they dropped three points. 
They've jumped up about one point since then, but Republicans are also recovering. The gap between the two is now about six points. It's still pretty good news for Democrats. I mean, look at this. In January, Republicans had the lead. In February, Republicans had the lead. It switched and now it's dropped. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say bad news for Democrats coming into the election. We're only a few months away and the trend is favoring Republicans. Still, the Democrats are in a favorable position. And I think it's fair to say when you see people like Richard Spencer announcing their support for Joe Biden, yeah, the Democrats are getting a lot of people. Let's be real. I think the Democrats might actually make a different play than, than uh, you know, claiming Spencer's lying. You could come out and do the obvious generic, oh, oh, Richard Spencer is only trying to claim this to smear Joe Biden and make Trump look good. Or they'll say Donald Trump is so awful that even the white nationalists don't want to support for us, don't want to vote for him. I don't think any of it matters. I think Richard Spencer is being honest about his opinions. I don't think he's playing stupid games. I think he's always held these positions. He's publicly talked about it. He's protested war. He's he's supported Trump. Then he then he regretted this and turned away within like a year of Trump being in office. There was there was no grand play back then. He immediately was like, wow, this is a bad idea. And, it, and, and I think it shows. I think what we're seeing now is that the people who like the crony establishment are going to start backing the crony establishment. People who don't like Trump's, you know, uh, rhetoric, they don't like Trump's policies are going to be pushed away. But mostly I think it's the media that's driving a wedge between the American people and Donald Trump. I think Trump has greatly improved. His speech today was very positive. He didn't he didn't swear. He said, I'm not going to use bad words about I think he's talking about Hillary. And I respect that. I absolutely do. He put out his agenda. His agenda was pretty good. You know what I don't like? I don't, I'm tired of establishment politics. So that's why I look at Trump's agenda. I look at the riots and I say, I don't want the Democrats. I don't. And, and I'm probably one of these people who's drifting away from them as their numbers drop. And it was the riots. Absolutely was the riots. And I think they're about to get worse because of Kenosha. Now they're saying they're going to be deploying National Guard to Kenosha. There's talks about National Guard going to Chicago. Do it. Get it done. We do not want more riots. I don't think they will, though. I think the riots will get bad and it's going to continue to help Trump. And I think we might be seeing a, a landslide for the president. I think Trump's agenda is 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 great. There's some things I don't agree with that. I did. If you didn't see my segment, go to youtube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel. I did this big thing saying I'm going to vote for Trump. His agenda is good. It absolutely is. And I can't stand the Democrats flip flopping. I can't stand their wishy washy behavior. I think they're not even trying to win. I don't know what their goal is. So I think Trump needs to take it. And I think Trump needs to end the identitarianism of the left, be it, you know, Richard Spencer's white identitarianism or the far left's, you know, whatever identitarianism, just leftist identitarianism. It, it, it just needs to stop. We need liberty, lib- like true classical liberalism. And I hope we'll get it. I don't know if Trump is the perfect person to do it, but Biden certainly is not. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I think the internet is a fairly disgusting thing. And what's happening to the Conway family, I think, is a particularly disgusting thing. I think it's evidence of how awful the internet can really be. If you haven't been following the story, Kellyanne Conway announced that she would be leaving the White House to deal with family matters. George Conway would be leaving the Lincoln Project to do the same. And it comes shortly after their daughter, who uh, Claudia, I believe, announced she was seeking emancipation. What this really is, in my opinion, and look, I try to be respectful of teenagers. Their life is their life. I think it's teenage angst being propped up because of the prominence of her uh, of her parents. 
And I think it's gross how people are latching onto it, fanning the flames and making it all worse. Teenagers say dumb things. A 15 year old, I want to be emancipated. Oh, calm down, dude. To be fair to teenagers, here's what I want to say. A lot of people who are older like to talk down to young people, teenagers, because they're smarter, they know better. And, and with, within certain, re- w- w- you know, within reason, it is true, of course. Come on, teenagers don't, they don't really know what they're talking about. But what you need to understand and what you need to respect is that Claudia Conway, she's 15 years old. This is her life. It does matter to her. It is important. And she's looking for a way out. She's mad at her mom for her job. And so she's looking at whatever she can, you know, uh, whatever she can do to try and just do something. I would probably, if I, I would imagine, I'd make, I'm going to make an assumption. Kellyanne Conway worked for the president. She's very vocal. She's been on TV. I can only imagine that her daughter gets, you know, flack from her friends and she doesn't like it. But I believe the bigger issue is that if that were the case, just tell people to shut up and laugh at them. Who cares? But if you're a teenager, this is your life. And all these dumb kids, they don't know better. They're laughing. They're making fun of her. It reminds me of that kid who played uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker in the first Star Wars. He got made fun of for playing Anakin Skywalker, so he quit acting. You ever hear that story? You know what, man? I say this to, to I say this to Kellyanne and to George. I believe that they were being very bad parents, but I believe they're being very good parents now by stepping down. And it's unfortunate, as much as I don't agree with George. And I disagree a little bit with Kellyanne. I believe they should be allowed to be these these vocal characters in today's politics. They should be allowed to you know express their opinions. But I believe family comes first. So they're doing the right thing. And I have tremendous respect for what they've done, both of them. Let's read. Daily Mail says, George and Kelly uh, and Conway's daughter, Claudia, has taken a social media to claim credit for her parents' recent announcements that they will be stepping away from politics. The couple stepped down from their respective political roles after the 15-year-old went public online with Conway's family issues, including claiming that she was pushing for emancipation from her parents. Not long after the couple quit their positions, Claudia shared two TikTok videos about them. She shared one video of herself with her mother's statement resigning as President Donald Trump's counselor in the background. Y'all, I know I said I was taking a break, but um, 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 Claudia says in the clip. That video was followed up with one about her father that showed his tweet withdrawing from the Lincoln Project. So I'm withdrawing from the Lincoln Project to devote more time to family matters, and I'll be taking a Twitter hiatus. Needless to say, I continue to support the Lincoln Project and its mission passionately, George wrote. In that video, Claudia said, look what I did. Look at what I did. Ladies and gentlemen, look at what I did. She's just a kid. She has no idea what she's talking about. She probably couldn't even explain to you what a progressive tax system is. And I don't blame her for that. And I'm not trying to be mean to her by saying it. I'm saying she's just a kid. She's 15. She's going, oh, look, I did a thing. Congratulations, you did. But it's the Internet that's doing this. The Internet loved what Kellyanne and George were doing. Okay, these two characters on the left and the right, they were they're married or whatever. And their daughter got pulled into the fray. And I blame the Internet machine, not any individual. It's just everybody wanted more. The Conway family, reality TV. It's gross. It's humanity. I don't blame a kid for going on social media and, and, and talking about her opinions. And I got to admit, I got to say this. It actually, look, 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 everything aside, you got to admit, it is kind of cute when you see a kid trying to be like their dad. You know what I mean? Like George Conway is this very prominent anti-Trump figure. And then here's his daughter trying to be just like him. It's like when you, when you see a dad and, you know, he's like riding his bike and then the kids with him trying to be, it's just, it's, it's, it's nice. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to see the, the, you know, family getting along. Now I'm sure many people would have preferred if she was trying to be like her mom, 
But I, I, look, I get it, man. She looks up to her dad. She wants to be like her dad. She, she's probably got friends that rag on her about Trump. So she wants to be like her dad. It's just there. There you go. OK, she's revolting against her mom for whatever reason and looking up to her dad. It's fine. My bigger issue is that the Internet turned it into this salacious debacle and it results in this just like it's reality TV. It's absolutely reality TV. I'm glad to see the Conways are getting their family in order and I'm glad to see that they're going to be stepping away. And, you know, my respect. They say her videos come after uh, come less than 24 hours after Kellyanne resigned. George and Kellyanne are both Republicans. But while Kellyanne, Kellyanne worked for Trump and a senior counsel, George, an attorney, is one of the president's most vocal and po- uh, pointed critics. Kellyanne announced Sunday that she would depart her, her administration role at the end of this month, a day after Claudia said she was officially pushing for emancipation. The 53-year-old counselor to the president said she was leaving for the sake of her family to be less drama, more mama. Shortly after the announcement, Claudia was once again on TikTok stating their parents were going to get divorced, but have now called it off to keep her from getting emancipated. Wow. She has also accused her father of not caring about her and not knowing her middle name and said her mother has been physically abusive her whole life. There it is. There it is. She says her mom was abusive. I don't know if that's true, but that shows me why she doesn't like Kellyanne and why she doesn't like Trump because her mom worked for the president. She resents her mom. And check it out. She's when she's talking about her dad, her dad doesn't care about her, doesn't even know her middle name. Dude, that's sad. I think the reason she's coming out anti-Trump is because she's desperate for her dad to care about her. I mean, isn't that sad? Her dad doesn't even know her middle name. I don't know if that's true, but think about the way she the, the, the distinction she's shown. This kind of thing should not be in the public. I get it when you're high profile. It happens. And, the, you know, the, the, the marriage dispute between Kellyanne and George is particularly public because they're prominent, you know, a supporter or opponent of the president. And now you've got this young girl who's 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 upset that her dad doesn't love her. And she's desperately trying to get his affection by trying to be just like him. And she says he doesn't even know my middle name. And then her mom, she accuses of being abusive. It makes perfect sense. Her mom, she, she resents her dad. She's desperate for attention from. And it's disgusting because so many anti-Trump people are latching on to what she says and they're using it for political points when it is just a cry for love and attention from her dad. This whole thing is sickening to me. In her statement, Kellyanne called her time in the Trump administration heady and humbling and said she and George were making the decision based on what they think is best for their four children. We disagree about plenty, she wrote of her and her husband. But we are united on what matters most to the kids. Bravo, Kellyanne. Bravo, George. I know this is making me really angry because family is, is, is one of the most important things, okay? Taking care of your kids. But here we can see two people doing the right thing to be good parents, putting aside Trump support or Trump, you know, uh, uh, opposition to be there for their kids. She said, Our four children are teens and tweens starting a new academic year in the middle of school and high school. That will be conducted remotely from home for at least a few months. As millions of parents nationwide know, kids doing school from home requires a level of attention and vigilance that is unusual at these times. Kellyanne continued, this is completely my choice and my voice in time. I will announce future plans for now. And for my beloved children, it will be less drama, more mama. Kellyanne is among Trump's longest serving advisors. And it's and it's sad that she needs to leave because, you know, a a lot of people have left the Trump administration quite uh, angrily you know, not, and many of them turn on Trump, but she's been there for him. I can respect that. I can respect loyalty for sure. 
If, if you're not a fan of her, at least you can respect that she's doing the right thing. They say, uh, meanwhile, Trump called, uh, I'm sorry, meanwhile, George called Trump a racist and evil in video footage revealed Monday of a movie about the psychology of Donald Trump filmed before Kellyanne stepped down. The film Unfit is set for release September 1st. Yeah, 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 I get it. We're going to see all of this crazy fiasco. You know, when when Claudia started posting these clips, a lot of people ragged on uh, several journalists for propping them up. And I'm upset that it's that it's reached this point and has now become this um this public spectacle. I feel bad for this family. I don't necessarily blame the journalist because while I don't agree with, you know, propping up this 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 kid who doesn't know what they're saying, she was on social media. I think the bigger issue is that human beings, these tribalists were desperate for something. The le- it was it was primarily the left to be honest. And I I think it's gross that people would latch on to cries for attention from a a teenage girl desperate for her father's love because it would smear Donald Trump. But I can't say I'm surprised. We look at the riots. We look at the things they've said, the things they've done on the left, desperate for anything to take out Trump. And of course, they know no shame. They would, of course, take a child and thrust them into the limelight to use for political points. In the end, let me just make sure I, I, I stress this to everybody who would attack or prop up for political points, Claudia Conway. She said it. Okay, I'm, I know it's the third time I'm saying it, but it's very really important you hear this. She said her dad didn't care about her. He didn't even know her name, her middle name. And so it's clear that she's just saying the things he says because she's desperate. She's basically saying, please love me, dad. I'll, I'll, do, I'll be like you. Man, that's sad. And these people prop it up because they hate Trump. I'm, I'm sick of this stuff. Man, people need to have some decency in, the, in, in this world. Marianne Williamson came out with a very beautiful statement saying family is more important. Marianne has been absolutely awesome. Marianne Williamson is one of the best people to come out of the Democratic Party for all of her. You know, there's a lot of things she believes I, I don't agree. I don't agree with. I'm not talking about the, the stupid smears they made fun of her about the crystals. I'm talking about just policy in general. But she's been so nice. She's tried to be, to be so nice. So my respect to Marianne Williamson. She said, I don't agree with your mother, Claudia, but she's still your mom. I promise you your life ahead will be better if you handle your issues with her privately. I'm sure she'd go to counseling with you if you don't already. Love has got to Trump politics. It just has to. Thank you, Marianne Williamson, for helping me. I just believe in, in humanity a little bit. I hope the, the Conways do well. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. The conspiracy theorists were right. Kim Jong-un reportedly in coma for months. Recent appearances faked. This is dangerous. I mean, I'm laughing, but this is a crazy story. And it could be potentially bad because his sister has had to take over and she's reportedly worse than he is. But check this out from the U.S. son. Kim again claims Kim Jong Un is using body double after making first public appearance since death rumors. This is from May. People talked about his teeth were, were off. His 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 hairline was different. They said, that's not Kim Jong Un. And a bunch of people were like, nah, y'all are crazy. That's a conspiracy theory. They're Kim Jong-un. He's fine. Everybody, you're wrong. And now we got it from the New York Post. They report North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has been in a coma for months and all his recent public appearances were faked. A South Korean official says in a new report about the reclusive despot, Chang Song-min, a former aide to late Korean president, 
Kim Dae-jung alleged that Kim has become seriously ill amid speculation about his limited public appearances this year. In April, rumors circulated that the hermit kingdom Hancha was in a vegetative state after a botched heart operation. The former aide now claims Kim fell into a coma months ago and that his subsequent appearances were recorded previously, according to the UK Sun. OK, so maybe not a body double. I don't know. I think it's just funny. I assess him to be in a coma, but his life has not ended, he told South Korean media, adding the leader's younger sister, Kim Yo-jong, was poised to, uh, to help lead the country. A complete succession structure has not been formed. So Kim Yo-jong is being brought to the fore as the vacuum cannot be maintained for a prolonged period, he said. In a closed door meeting with lawmakers last week, the National Intelligence Service said the power shift partly seeks to relieve Kim's stress from his reign and avert culpability in the event of policy failure. The Yonhap News Agency reported photographs emerged Thursday showing Kim attending a government meeting, though Reuters reported that it could not independently verify the images. The Daily NK, a South Korean based news outlet about the North, reported that sources in the rogue regime have claimed that Kim's sister is seeking to secure her position in Pyongyang by taking on the South. She can't rule the country from the military like her brother. So she's expanding her authority through the propaganda and agitation department, just like her father, Kim Jong-il, a source said the Sun reported. I don't know if it's true, but uh, we've seen this story from a lot of different outlets that Kim Jong-un is in is in a coma. Take, take a look at this story. They say Kim again claims Kim Jong-un is using body double after making first public appearance since his death. So this is back in May, May 6th, they reported some of the meteor theories speculate that the double could be standing in due to the leader, the leader's poor health or even death, while others question if his absent was really a period of recovery following plastic surgery. Now, hold on here. Take a look at these images. This right here on the right is the before image. This is the left. 2013, 2020. Kim Jong-un's teeth were fine, I guess, in, in 2013. And this individual standing here, his teeth are crooked and very different. Maybe it's possible that Kim Jong-un's teeth got really bad in seven years, possibly. He gained weight, wider hairline, smoother eye wrinkles, pronounced Cupid's bow, crooked teeth, rounder nose. I don't know, they say. State-run media released images and video apparently showing the 36-year-old at a fertilizer factory amid escalating reports that he was either dead or fighting for his life. Now eagle-eyed web sleuths believe it was really a lookalike on the photos, and they point to changes in the face, hair, and teeth compared to his previous appearances. You see, this is the problem with how our media works. It looks like the conspiracy theory may in fact be true. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe these reports are wrong. Maybe the New York Post is, is wrong. But it may be true that Kim Jong-un has been sick for some time. Some have speculated he got COVID. I mean, it's possible. He was right. North Korea is right there on the border with China. And it was spreading. China, we believe, was lying about its numbers. Maybe many people got COVID in North Korea. And I mean, I got to be honest, Kim Jong-un is in that risk factor. They say uh, there are suggestions some of the photos have, in fact, been doctored. Others suggest that the dictator's mysterious 20-day disappearance was down to plastic surgery. Sleuths pointed to slight differences in Kim Jong-un's nose, wrinkles, teeth, Cupid's bow, hairline, and ears. In the most recent snaps, it suggested his nose is a little rounder and his Cupid's bow a little more pronounced. One reportedly doctored photo doing the rounds shows Kim's teeth looking much straighter and several shades less white than in previous pics. But others pointed out straighter teeth 
can easily be achieved with dental work. And the chain smoker is bound to succumb to stains on his pearly whites from time to time. Some seize upon his hairline, which appears to be wider in recent pics. There's also a suggestion his ears, once with earlobes that appeared to be clearly attached to his head, forming a smooth curve, have changed. All of this is, is I don't know, too much. Maybe, maybe it was just plastic surgery. But my bigger concern here is not whether or not th- this conspiracy was true. Now that we're hearing that it was a body double. My bigger, my, my bigger concern is that if Kim Jong-un really is on the verge of death, then perhaps any, re- any, any leeway made by Donald Trump, any real pol- uh, political gains made by Trump could be lost. Look, you can criticize Donald Trump for a lot of things, but you've got to give him credit where credit is due. Notably, he crossed through the DMZ, the demilitarized zone into North Korean territory with no security. That to me was profound. What people didn't understand about that, they claimed that Trump was ponying up to dictators, that he was friends with dictators, and that's absurd. Donald Trump was trying to actually show good faith, and he did it. When he walked into North Korea, those soldiers could have snatched him away and held him hostage. How many deranged Trump derangement syndrome leftists or whatever would have cheered for this? When he came back unfazed and shook hands with Kim Jong-un, they dragged him for it. That made me particularly angry. Because if Trump is going to bring about peace, it means you need to have these conversations. Now think about it. We were better off in a world where Kim Jong-un was fine, where the conspiracies were bunk, because it meant that the gains Trump made could be pursued. But now we're looking at potentially Kim Yo-jong, his sister. And what if she doesn't agree? What if she doesn't want peace? Either way, the gains made by Donald Trump in these, you know, with these negotiations will be gone. Now, I think it's fair to say in, in that respect, it's possible she could do a better job. She might be more about peace. That's fair, too. The bigger issue is we don't know whether she'll be for or against it in the same way that Kim Jong-un is, whether, you know, Trump really did make any substantial gains because it did seem like things, things were deteriorating after the fact. All we know is any potential gains diplomatically are being lost. And there's real fear for destabilization in that region. We've already had the U.S. engaging in conflict with China in the South China Sea. China, of course, they want uh, Taiwan. They've been doing these beach uh, uh, beaching drills where they, you know, they land their boats on the beach. They storm in. And if that happens, we need we need stability. The last thing we want is uncertainty, especially with with a country as despotic, militaristic and unhinged as North Korea. And for me personally, I was really looking forward to to real peace. I mean, look, this is this is why I think, you know, one of the reasons I've warmed to Trump notably has been his efforts in in trying to stabilize a, a lot of this, these, this, these foreign conflicts. Now, I'll tell you this. Trump isn't perfect. He's he's gotten he's, he's escalated his share of foreign conflict, notably with Iran, the Soleimani thing, the, 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 the ships in the, uh, the in the Gulf buzzing around the, the uh, I believe it was a U.S. destroyer, Venezuela and with China. But I got to tell you, man, with China, it's very different from this Middle Eastern nonsense. China is engaging in, in they're running concentration camps. They're harvesting organs and they're protecting North Korea. If Trump could make an ally out of North Korea, it would have been a tremendously good thing. This is only bad. So I'm, I'm actually hoping I am. I'm hoping that these reports are still incorrect because it would seem that what we're really seeing right now is a report from a South Korean media that this is someone saying a former aide 
uh, Chang Song Min making these allegations. They say he's alleging this. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's hope they're just allegations. And I mean it. We really want to we want to hope that Kim Jong Un is OK and that he pulls out of this and he survives because we need to build relationships with countries like this. Here's what I'm hoping for in a Trump uh, uh, 2020 second term. He can go to these countries and he can end the conflict. He's already uh, helped push forward a, an, a, an amazing, historic. I try to avoid saying and historic, whatever, you get the point. He's helped coordinate this Middle Eastern peace deal with Israel and the United Arab Emirates. It's amazing. He deserves tremendous credit for this. If he pulls our troops out of Afghanistan, if he starts bringing about real diplomacy, it's going to be an amazing thing. And that means we need to see a conversation with people we might not like. Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is responsible for a lot of really, really bad things, and his entire family is. But we have to accept concessions. We can't just assume that because he's doing all these bad things, Trump's going to go in and crush them. No. The same is true for China. We don't want war, but we want China to stop what they're doing. That means we need strong leadership. Leadership I don't think Biden can bring to the table. But hey, at least in the very end, I can say maybe the conspiracies were true. It's funny, isn't it? I guess we'll see how this plays out. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then.